0: The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. I just love that thing, don't you? Yes. Yes. It's so uh, arousing, so stunning, and the word so beautiful as it portrays for us uh, the scripture reading we just had, and the scripture reading we're gonna hear in a few minutes, because it puts us before the throne of God. The throne of God. What comes to your mind when you hear the throne of God. Is it maybe a scene like this, where all the people of the world are gathered before our God, and he divides them up, believers, from unbelievers? Yeah, I don't feel Or maybe it's one like this, one where we are recalling what we just sang about and heard in Revelation this scene in heaven, where where the believers and the angels are all gathered around God, praising Him. Or maybe what comes to mind there are the words of Revelation chapter seven, when the believer is invited to come before the throne of God and hear those assuring words that there is no more suffering, no more sorrow, no more pain, just blessing. This for us. The throne of God. Do you see yourself before the throne of God? And I don't mean in eternity, I mean now, today. Do you see yourself before the throne of God? Today our focus is going to be on worship. And by that, I don't want us just to think of what worship is going to be like together. Nor do I want us to think of just worship what we do here on Sunday mornings. But I want to talk about worship that we do everywhere. And not just in all sorts of different places or areas of our life, but I want to focus specifically on the kind of worship we would do everywhere. And so we're going to call it everywhere. This morning, let's go take a look at another scene where believers before the throne of God. These words are recorded by Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament, chapter 6 of his book. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among the people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, (coughs) the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live full in his hand he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I say, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, Send me. Wow, what a glorious picture of the throne of God. But you might be thinking, what's that have to do with my life? You know, other people in the scriptures have had similar visions. Uh, Moses and Abraham, uh, St. Paul, St. John. And those visions radically changed their lives. Now you might think, yeah, but those were those Bible gods. And I don't have that kind of a vision today. But God has recorded those visions for us. So that we too may see and experience what they saw and experienced. Yes, we maybe don't see that glorious thing visually. But we can see the same things going on in our life today. So let's talk about everywhere worship. How the truths from that vision are alive in our life today and affect us in a sense of to God. Here's what I mean. Like Isaiah, the first thing you could do is to look and see God's glory. Now what is the, the glory of God? What does that mean? Well, it means who He is and And what he is like. And that was pictured for us in this vision. Go back to verse 1. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now God is using some visual aspects that Isaiah and we can relate to. Because the glory of God, who he is, is probably beyond our understanding. So God puts it in in simple vision and term for us to understand. He sees a a throne. He sees God's robe and this temple. But when we see those things, what comes to mind? We think of a king, a judge, and that's what our God is. A king and our judge. He is one who rules over everything. In fact, In the book of Ephesians, it tells us that Jesus ascended to heaven and now sits at the right hand of the throne of God and rules over everything, get this, for our sake. And so what what Isaiah was seeing here is God pictured as a king and a judge. And this would be encouraging to him because as he had started out, he said, this is the year that King Uzziah died. King Uzziah had been a very powerful king. And so now there was kind of a change in the government. And maybe that made him feel a little unsettled, a little curious as to what life was going to be like now in Israel under a new king. And God was reminding him, i king. And so that majesty that we see is just to picture him as a king and a judge. Now when we think of uh, people who rule over us, we know that uh, they don't rule with such absolute authority that everything they want happens, or that things don't get changed under their rule. No, it gets changed. They're affected by other events in this world. But that's not true with our God. He is exalted above everything. There is nothing here on earth that changes His plan. There is nothing here on earth that affects him in such a way that things will be unknown. He's not susceptible to temptation or sin. There is no weakness of mankind in him. He shows no favoritism to anybody. And so while Isaiah is seeing a vision of heaven from earth, he's also being reminded of what things look like on earth from heaven. And that is... God rules in his majesty. Now Isaiah saw some more things about God. Above him, he said, were some seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they're calling out to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Some angels. Now this is the first and the only time that seraphim angels are talked about in the Bible. It comes from the Hebrew word seraph, which means burning. And so maybe they, they look like flames of fire. Maybe they have some kind of brilliant appearance. They're obviously connected with the throne of God. So they in some way are a reflection of God's glory. And despite how we always picture angels, you know, with two wings, these guys have six. Two of them they use to cover their face because the brightness of God's glory is just too much. Just like we have to cover our eyes sometimes because of the sun being bright. And with two wings, they cover their feet in humility before their glorious God. And with two wings, they're flying. They are ready to... So, than their appearance, what is important are the words they are speaking. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What they're calling our attention to is God's purity. He is holy, which means he is set apart. He is different. He is distinct than anybody else. Now, what makes God so set apart from anybody else? Well, one is that he's perfect. God does nothing wrong. God does nothing with mistakes. God is flawless. He's not a human being, so that he has to think it over and hope he's making the right decision, but he's independent of anything that that would influence him. He doesn't need need anything, despite the fact we might think he needs us to do his work. He can do it all by himself. He doesn't need us. We need him. He's perfect. His judgments are false. But also, as we commonly understand the word holy, he is without sin. He cannot be tempted. He cannot sin. He is separate from sin. In fact, he hates sin a little different than what people think today, too. Because we may try to uh, excuse away our sin, and, and therefore they put well, God. God understands, and he excuses it away, too. And he's not going to hold us it accountable. That's not true. God is holy. He hates sin, and he judges sin. But Isaiah also called him the Lord. Almighty. That word he was in all capital letters because it's God's covenant. This is also the God who forgives okay. So he saw God as majestic. He saw him as pure. One more thing. He said at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. He's describing him the sovereignty, the absolute rule of God. He also called him Lord, using a different word, that he is the ultimate one, the one who is the master, the one who is in control. And with everything shaking as he sees God, he's reminded of the power of God. There's nothing that stops him. There's nothing that changes what he will do. Those angels are there as his agents to carry out his will. He said, smoke filled that whole temple, reminding us of the presence of God. It is everywhere. So here is our God. Everywhere. And Isaiah, standing before him now, gets this picture of the glory of his God. Not just up there, but right here. Right now. As Isaiah was privileged to stand before him, of God, that is to be in God's presence. So we are privileged to have God's presence in our life. Now, maybe you wonder about that because you look at things going on and you kind of think about where things have headed. You might wonder, where is this glorious God? Where is His power? Where is His wisdom? was a very powerful king. He did what he wanted to do. And he got it done. But one day, he decided he would be the one who would offer the incense in the temple. Uh, on a service level, that sounds pretty good, right? There's a spiritual guy. But that was a duty that was reserved for the priests only. Nobody else was to enter the temple and to do but Uzziah wanted it done. His will was going to override God's will. And he did. Because of that, though, the Lord struck him with leprosy to teach people that you cannot just abuse or go against what God has said. Sometimes today in the world, people go against what God says. And if anybody says that think about it, they come back and they say, you know what? You can't judge me. Only God will judge me. And that's true. God will one day judge them and us. As we hear people today challenge the truth of the scriptures, mock God and religion, you may wonder, where is our God? Where is his glory? Remember this. You stand before the Lord of God. And everywhere you can worship by seeing his glory, his majesty, his rule, his grace, and his wisdom. In the world and in your own life, have faith. That's where everywhere worship starts. Faith in our glorious God. So, as you live out your life, look for that majesty and be reminded of the purity of God. Look in your life and see. See His wisdom working and guiding and shaping your life in all of the circumstances. And then live with faith, with trust in your glorious and graciousness. After Isaiah had that wonderful vision, that experience, there was a reaction that he had. Look at, woe to me! I cried, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Almighty. I might think that for somebody got had a glorious vision like that, that they'd really be boosted up spiritually, right? They'd be on some kind of spiritual high, and they'd be going around telling everybody and, and writing books, I went to heaven, and here's what I saw. But that wasn't Isaiah's reaction. <laughs> yes, what he was going to now experience would be totally different. He would experience the grace of God. But this was his first reaction. I could death. He said, woe to me, which means I'm in trouble. I am He said, "I live among the people of unclean like, that their, their language kind of rubs off on me, or I've kind of learned to put up with it or tolerate it. And you know what? It's, they know, I know. Live, go on. I do that with you. Recognize your sinfulness and your unworthiness. Isaiah realized as he stands before this glorious God in this condition." He's unworthy of any blessing. But yet, something interesting would happen to change it. One of the seraphim flew to me with a light coal in oh. his hand, which he had taken with calmness from the altar. You see, in the temple back then there was a special stand or altar in which they would burn incense. It was an offering to made to God. This angel takes one of the coals and comes up to Isaiah, and he touches my mouth with it, he said. He said, see, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. Despite Isaiah recognizing his sinfulness and confessing that before God, he now experiences the purification of his sins. Because of what was on that altar, an altar of sacrifice, but notice the sacrifice was brought to him. He didn't make the sacrifice. That's how God purifies us. with sacrifice. Not ours, but with the sacrifice he made. Isaiah understood what that was. And later on in this chapter, he would write those words that are all very familiar to us. That the Christ The appointed Savior would be led to sacrifice like a lamb. For he would be bearing the sins of the world. Our sins and our punishment would be put on him. And we would be healed. That's what this angel is telling me. Your sins are gone. Your sins are gone. Your lips have been touched. You and I have been touched too. On our lips. With the sacrifice that was made for our sins. In the Lord's Supper. God gives us the very body and blood of Jesus. To assure us that a sacrifice was made. And our sins have been atoned for. They have been taken away. It's effectual. It works. The angel will say that. Your sins are gone. Jesus said, take this, eat it, and drink it. It's poured out for you, for the forgiveness of your sins. And so when we receive the Lord's Supper, we are getting the forgiveness of our sins. And then Isaiah had one more response. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I, send me. See, when you experience the grace of God, knowing your sins are gone, and that you stand before the throne of God every day, that you can worship everywhere in every way, you realize you've been sanctified, that is, you've been set apart for God. One minute, Isaiah thought, simply as a thankful and joyous response to the grace of God. Notice Isaiah's response to this call. It was immediate, and it was eager. He didn't say, hmm, when you think about it, then you know, I'll check my schedule. Uh, see if I can do that, and how long is this going to take? He was just eager to respond as eagerly as God was to. Everywhere, worship. You do it. This vision is not just some Bible story, it's a daily reality for all of us. Just look around and see God's glory in the world and in your life. And then look closely and see that you too have the grace of God. So make